Welcome to Covered Season 2. Get ready for an amazing set of interviews with business strategists, insurance experts, and wellness professionals in Montana, Idaho, and Wyoming. The focus this season is to help growing companies build a healthy and safe work environment. We'll cover pressing questions like what exactly does it cost for a new business to provide health insurance to a team? And if you're a benefits consultant, why is Mountain Health Co-op a first choice for so many businesses in the Rocky Mountain West? If you're ready to take ownership of your business and your benefits knowledge, this is the season for you. We traveled to Helena to talk with Richard Miltenberger, CEO of Mountain Health Co-op. He has decades of experience navigating the insurance industry. We have a candid conversation about the state of health insurance, specifically during the time of COVID-19, with record unemployment and big question marks about cost. This interview was both insightful and inspirational as we were once again reminded why a member-owned health insurance company has you covered in ways some of the larger companies simply can't compete with. Enjoy this interview. We are here live at Mountain Health Co-op HQ with Richard Miltenberger. Richard, welcome back to cover the podcast. We're, we're really psyched to have you back on. Thanks for having me, Kyle. Yes, and today um, we are talking about COVID-19 and health insurance and the health co-op and how everything has been going. So I just want to start by asking, how are you doing? How, how is your family? How, how has all this been going for you? You know, I'm, I'm a bit of an introvert at times, Kyle, so this has been kind of made to order for me. Mm. I, uh, sheltering at home is like, uh, you know, a, a briar patch I like to be thrown into. Haven't so, minded it. Yeah, haven't minded it a bit. We actually live out in the country, so taking a lot of walks, hikes, uh, and things have lifted up a bit here in Montana with the uh, governor's orders, so you can get out more. But frankly, uh, we've tried to still keep uh, some social distancing going on, and uh, we've not been... Um, very active in the social scene, yeah. even as the uh, as the requirements have allowed us to be. Sure, and I should mention that we're recording this mid-May, so, so to put things into perspective, we've been quarantined for quite a while, so if we sound a bit jovial, I guess, it's not because we're, you know, celebrating a global pandemic, but just because we're sort of used to being quarantined, and we're sitting our safe distance apart here. Um, so, uh, you know, similarly, it seems like with quarantine, Deep work has become easier, like cutting distractions out, focusing on one project. Yes. It seems like when you're working from home, that's been something I think a lot of people are discovering, that that becomes a little easier. Yeah, it actually is uh, surprising how uh, how productive you can be when you don't have uh, somebody to chat with over uh, uh, the coffee machine. Yeah, pros and cons. You know, the, the serendipitous conversations um, are no longer, but uh, certainly the deep work. Yeah, I'm ready, ready to get back, though, honestly. Yeah. yeah, I miss people. Yep, I think I think you and a lot of other people share share that thought. So let's talk about the co-op and how, um, you know, if we can rewind a bit to February and March. And um, what was it like here when sort of things started to shut down and people really started to look closely at their health insurance and think to themselves, okay, I need to really consider if this is a possibility for me to you know, contract COVID-19, what happens? And, and what, were, what, what was going on here? What did that look like? You know, uh, it, we had some incredibly long days because we were trying to keep up with a regulatory environment. So as a health insurance company, we work with uh, the insurance department as well as with the federal government. Uh, and then there's kind of a third element that came into play, 
and that is the public health departments of each of the states that we operate in, the governor's offices in those states, as uh, they were coordinating efforts to make sure that the health insurance industry uh, played its part, um, you know, to respond to the pandemic. So there was just a lot going on. I mean, some 12-hour days, 14-hour days uh, in those first, I'd say the second and third weeks of March as, uh, you know, we'd kind of been reading about this at a distance in Italy and Spain and Mm -hmm. uh, the UK and the New York City. Uh, and then it just kind of almost in slow motion, we saw the, um, you know, the preparations happening here. And um, it was, there, there were some very busy days. And I must say, uh, it was in, encouraging to see people working together, yeah. uh, different insurance companies, uh, uh, different regulatory authorities uh, for a common purpose. Mm-hmm. So in some ways it was encouraging, but boy, some long days. Yeah, and I would imagine some concerned members also. And I'm wondering if you, during that time, heard from any members that were, that were concerned or sort of what, what the communication to members was like during that time? Well, we, it was communication both ways. We mm-hmm. heard from our members uh, wanting to make sure that, uh, you know, there would be appropriate coverage for uh, both the testing and the treatment of uh, this new pandemic and how that would look. And, uh, and, then, and then we, as, as those policies were formulated, coordinating an effort back to the members. Um, we really wanted to be careful, uh, Kyle, that we um, we not over-communicate. I, I found, uh, you know, sometimes if you just look at your own email inbox, you can learn what not to do. Mm. So I was, I had, um, I was, I was getting regular communications from credit card companies, from uh, the company that I bought my car from, Right. about how much they cared about me and what they were doing to address this issue. It felt like a checkbox that needed every company said, okay, I need to send this COVID-19 email. E- exactly. And uh, so we, we looked at it and said, well, you know what? People, uh, they, they should not be getting health information from their insurance company. But they, if they do come to our website or come to us, we want to direct them to an authoritative source. So what we managed to do very early on is make sure that our websites uh, had links built, active links, so that people could, when they're asking questions about COVID-19, it would redirect them to their state health department. And, um, and that way, as communications would change, because their recommendations would change almost daily, uh, they were getting health information from the appropriate source. Mm-hmm. Um, and, then, and then beyond that, um, you know, we've... We may, had a significant effort to make sure that uh, we did cover and, and, and that the terms of coverage were clear for kind of an evolving situation and that those messages people needed to hear and wanted to hear. Mm-hmm. In, in other words, kind of insurance questions because that's what they come to us for. So we made sure we had our, our message uh, developed and, uh, and that it was appropriate and, yeah. and got that out there. Let's talk about the insurance piece because – for a lot of people in those early weeks and months and even today feel like they need some sort of strong foundation to just stand on and feel grounded. Yeah, I, I heard something say, uh, try to use, try not to use the word uncertainty as much because everyone has been saying that, but there was a lot of uncertainty and there still yeah. is. And so for co-op and for members of the co-op, how did, how did your team help provide some just, hey, Health insurance, 
during this time, not something you need to be worried about. We've got you covered. Um, can you talk about some of the things that quickly spun into action during this time? And some sure. Of the yeah. Well, one of the first things uh, we were hearing from the medical community is they did not want um, people who, who thought they might have symptoms of COVID-19 to come into the medical offices. And, um, and then when someone did come in, they didn't want the office to be filled. So right. one of the early things we did um, was to um, inaugurate a, a really rapid telehealth um, effort. And that would mean that not just a special telehealth service that's, there are some companies that are hardwired and we use one called Doctors on Demand. That, that's all they do is telehealth. But we wanted people to be able to go to their primary care physician by telephone and make sure that the physicians were compensated for that because uh, otherwise the physician revenue source, their revenue stream would just dry up. Right. So uh, we were able to get ourselves ready, frankly, before most physicians were ready to, to do that. Wow. Uh, the physicians have caught up, uh, and they are uh, effectively billing for telehealth. They were, they were providing the service. They just didn't know how to bill for it. Yeah. And so uh, we helped them and educated the physicians so that uh, that would work well. But from a member standpoint, we wanted our members to be able to know that, um, hey, you can call the doctor and they will take the time. This is not a freebie. They will take right. the time to visit with you and, uh, and, and, and help resolve your problem if possible over the phone. But if not, how to approach the physician office. Yeah, that's such a win-win-win when you think about, you know, the doctor can still see patients, the patient can safely communicate to their doctor without any contact, and the general population wins because people aren't traveling to a crowded waiting room. Right. So, yeah, that's that's a great, um, it's just a great demonstration of how the co-op can, can move quickly. Can you talk about if you're a member and, you know, you did, you know, COVID-19 was real for you. You, it was something that you think you had symptoms and, you know, you called telehealth and I said, yes, you need to get, and, and it turns out you test positive. What then, if you're a member of the co-op? You know, uh, we want to make, um, I think our role within the healthcare community is that we're a health co-op, but what does that mean? It means that we're a member governed health insurance company. Mm-hmm. And so you had to kind of back away and say, okay, so what, what is the role of health insurance? To, to me, it's as much as possible, we need to stay invisible to our members, and it should be a fairly invisible process. The more that a member has to interact with their health insurance company, the more problems there are in the system. I think mm-hmm. the, in other words, we ought to be the conduit for financial payment mm-hmm. to the providers and and that should not require jumping through a lot of hoops where you're having to log on to our system to, you know, it, it ought to be pretty seamless. And we've tried yeah. to establish that over time. And especially the, those processes um, bear fruit at a time like this where you have a crisis yeah. where we can kind of be there for people so they know, yes, this is covered. And, and deductibles are waived and coinsurance, all the copays, all that is waived for telehealth of any kind, whether it's COVID or not. And then if you go to the doctor's office or to the hospital, any treatment for COVID-19 would be covered without deductibles, co-pays. And there's, uh, this this was a bit of a, uh, you had to kind of get your head around this because what if somebody has a disease like diabetes and they always have healthcare costs? How come the Johnny come lately's, the people that have never used health insurance would now have their deductible waived 
and they get everything at 100%, but I'm a diabetic, and I never get anything covered at 100% yeah. until I reach an out-of-pocket maximum. Right. And, and the reason for that, I think people need to understand this, is in a, in a pandemic, and, and this one so far has been uh, not as, uh, as bad uh, outcome as could have been the case in most of the, uh, of the uh, rural Northwest. So we've not had a New York City situation. But if you think about what happens if things get bad, in the hospitals crowded, we don't want people who have a to have a financial barrier from getting right. care because we're trying to get people who have symptoms of the disease interacting with the healthcare system immediately, yeah. and not saying, "Well, you know, I owe the doctor for uh, five hundred dollars from last year, so I'm embarrassed to go there." No, no, it's a hundred percent covered. Just go, take care of go. this. So. Um, it has to do with the nature of a pandemic and making sure people kind of come out of the woodwork, out of their homes when they have symptoms and identify themselves. Then the public health authorities can trace all of your contacts and family yep. and do further testing. So that's that's kind of what's going on when you see uh, these kind of unusual measures. Yeah. No, that's a – thank you for clearing that up because I think people do fear sometimes going to get medical attention and – um, knowing that their health insurance, you know, wants to make that as seamless as possible. And um, I think I was seeing something that said, if, if you do need a ventilator, covered. Right. And so, you know, worrying about, well, this is going to be expensive. Weighing the cost of insurance yeah. versus potentially your life. Um, that's something that with the co-op is, uh, you know, we, again, have you covered. Um, so you mentioned the team, you know, working around the clock. What is it like? today in May, um, people are, you know, I think still, it looks like you're doing some different hours, but it's important to have some people here in the office. How are, how are, how's the team doing? Well, you know, healthcare in general is considered an essential industry and health insurance, uh, is part of that because we've got to keep the flow, the pipeline of money going to the providers yeah. uh, during this time. And so, um, we've always had our offices open. We have offices in, in, in more than one city. And we keep our offices open during normal business hours. Uh, the door's locked, but you can knock on the door or call, and someone will come and take if you uh, – we have people that may want to pay uh, their premium and they're, they're afraid that maybe it's in the grace period, they're afraid it'll be canceled. We, we, we keep the office open and somebody here, but we have uh, had the majority of our staff – in fact, almost uh, probably 80% of our staff has been working from home from the very beginning. We don't want to yeah. be part of the problem. Right. But at the same time, uh, we, we are required to, uh, just like the people that work at the grocery stores, we have to get the job done. Yep. Yeah, it's uh, certainly essential. So, so thank you for your work. Um, what questions about COVID-19 have I not asked that you're thinking, Kyle, you should, we should really you know, think about addressing this or um, the you co-op's know, response to, in this way? Yeah, one, one, of, the, um, one of the things that... Um, uh, with COVID-19 has, that has, kind of, I think, loomed over uh, all, of, um, all of this process from the beginning is, is making sure the healthcare system is not overloaded. Well, once you accomplish that, you've also kind of emptied the healthcare system. Mm, right. And so there's been an effort behind the scenes to make sure that uh, physicians and hospitals continue to receive some revenue flow uh, mm -hmm. because they've got to keep their staff uh, uh, on, on duty. And yeah. so that's been a struggle and it's something the whole industry 
has worked together on and uh, our public health authorities have worked on. I've got to say, though, um, Kyle, I think there's a lot we can learn from this, right? I mean, some of the things we can learn is maybe uh, take some time off and, uh, you know, play ball with your kids or grandkids. I mean, it's been kind of cool to see some of the family activities outdoors. I've noticed a big difference. Yeah. Um, Not that we can all you know, take off the rest of our lives and uh, uh, retire at age 30 or something. But, uh, but I, I, th- I think there's lots of things you can learn. And one of the things that I have learned being in the healthcare industry is that we have a very fragile uh, healthcare financing system. So insurance companies are in the middle of the financing system, along with Medicare, Medicaid, other, other payers. Um, and I believe what we ought to take away from this experience is um, that the current system is broken and and we need to fix it. And, and what do I mean it's broken? Well, here's here's how the current healthcare system works. Mm-hmm. If a provider that is a doctor, a dentist, a hospital, performs a service, they get paid a fee. So they perform a service and they get paid a fee. It's called fee for service. If they don't perform a service, then they don't get paid. And that's not how, believe it or not, that's not how every healthcare system in the world works. And there are better ways of doing it. In fact, even back in the 1990s, when some of us were active in this world of healthcare, a lot of providers, a lot of physicians were paid on what's called a capitated model. Capitation means, the word cap means head. Mm-hmm. So it's per head. Mm-hmm. Um, and capitation would mean if, if uh, I'm a physician and I see a thousand patients, I'm going to get paid a little bit of money every month for taking care of those thousand people. Uh, That way I get paid if they're well. So it's kind of, you're incentivized to keep your patients well. And and it also provides a continuous flow of funding. And it uh, takes away any perverse incentives in the system. Again, in the system today, you've got to kind of almost sell something to get paid. And that's... Not a productive way to run a healthcare system, in my opinion. And other countries do it differently. I'm not talking about national health insurance or Medicare for all. Mm-hmm. We can have those debates. What I'm saying is we need to pay providers differently. And I hope that this COVID-19 crisis has proven that to everybody, that we can start that national dialogue. Yeah, that's a really interesting model. And I hope that it does get examined because it seems it makes sense to me in that explanation. It's almost like a subscription, like you, you know, yeah. if you're a, if you're, if you're a doctor, you have a thousand subscribers, and they come to you, and like you said, you're incentivized to keep them healthy and keep them, you know, hopefully, maybe they come back, but hopefully not because you've done your job and they're doing their job. Right. Yeah. Right. Um, Richard, last question. Uh, surrounding COVID-19 is loss of coverage. And, you know, with 30 million plus nationwide, um, you know, filing for unemployment, that's a real concern for folks is I've lost my job. I'm, you know, I am unemployed and perhaps they've also lost insurance. What advice would you have for somebody in, in those, in, in, in that situation? Well, if, if you've lost insurance through your employer, there's several options available uh, and, and we'd certainly encourage everybody, especially at this time, don't, don't, go, without, um, don't go without health insurance, right? Mm-hmm. You want to yeah. keep, uh, keep your assets uh, protected and keep your 
connectivity, your financial connectivity to the healthcare system alive. It's like a, almost like an, a deep sea diver. You have the, the tube bringing the air down from, from above and, and it, it kind of provides oxygen to the system. It provides a financial tube, if you will, uh, to the healthcare system. And so um, if someone were to lose their job and lose their health insurance, uh, there's a couple of alternatives. One is something called COBRA. COBRA is an extension of your group insurance. Mm-hmm. The, the problem with that is you just lost your job, and now your employer is no longer paying 75% of the insurance costs. So now you've got this additional burden to pay for all of your cost, not just uh, right. the, the portion that you had been paying. And so what we would recommend is that you look at all your options, one of which would be COBRA. But I think a, a better option for a lot of people is when you lose your job and, and your coverage uh, you know, is connected to your job, uh, it's a great time to go to the marketplace, to go to healthcare.gov or to go for those folks where um, you, know, you have a state-based exchange, go to the state-based exchange. But you, you can then get coverage that potentially has a subsidy uh, so it's more affordable for you. So yeah. it's a great time to do that. Some people would be eligible for Medicaid during this period. Uh, you know, don't not a time to say, well, that's government insurance. I No, no, you need to get covered where you can, and Medicaid's a good solution for a lot of people. So we'd encourage people to, uh, to not go without coverage during this period. Yeah, great. Um, Richard, if people have questions, uh, where can they turn? You know, uh, again, I'd, I'd say if your question is concerning uh, your own health care, uh, go, go uh, first of all to your family physician, to kind your primary time, care. Yeah. Great time, by the way, to remind yourself you need to have a relationship with a doctor. Right. Uh, otherwise, uh, you know, you don't have someone to call. Uh, but, you know, certainly your physician. Also to go to your state's health authority. Every governor has a COVID-19 task force oh. that they've set up. They have a website through their state government. And so that's a good place to go get general information. Uh, and if you want information about health insurance, then you know they're certainly welcome to come to us. We'd love to visit with them. Uh, health insurance agents uh, are another good source. So if you have an insurance mm-hmm. agency or agent, they can help navigate the system for you. Yep. Um, and that way you can uh, get multiple perspectives. Uh, and obviously we'd love to have people visit our website uh, if they're interested in health insurance. We have a a simple website. It's mhc.coop, C-O-O-P, not .com, but .coop, yeah. Yep, and we'll make sure to include that in the show notes here for, for folks to find it. And um, We actually just talked with Jeff quite a bit about uh, the, the agent side of things, so we'll, we'll yeah. link up to that episode also. Good. Um, Richard, thank you so much for your time. This has been extremely informative. Really appreciate it, as always. Kyle, thank you. At Mountain Health Co-op, we believe everyone deserves the financial security that comes with affordable health insurance. That's why we came together in 2013 to create a less expensive alternative to the big health insurance companies. One that's run by its members for its members. We have you covered, and if you're wondering how to get started, give us a call, shoot us an email, or visit our website. All of that information is in our show notes. We look forward to welcoming you to the Co-op family.